the tithe that was instituted in the Old Testament during the law of Moses, are we required to pay the tithe in the New Testament as a church? And if we are, how frequently was the tithe required in uh, the Bible days, in the times of antiquity? And also, do we tithe off of the gross and off of the net? I am going to do a two-part mini-series on tithing and if it's God's ultimate financial plan for giving. This is coming up next on Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Hey, what's going on? This is Dale. And in this episode, I want to discuss the tithe. The tithe. What is the tithe? Well, the word tithe actually means tenth or tenth part. And anybody that's spent any time at any church, uh, you're going to hear the word tithe. You're going to hear it actually every single week that you attend or how how ever often you attend church, whether it's on a Sunday a worship service or a midweek service, you're going to hear the word tithe in connection with your money and with giving. And so where I grew up in a church, it was a, a mega church uh, here in Southern California, and they regard the tithe as God's ultimate plan for giving. And if one did not tithe, they were subject to a curse. And most likely it was in reference to a financial curse. So is that indeed true? If one does not give a tenth part of their uh, income uh, when they get paid, are they subject to a curse? And I guess another question that it has been a very popular one and discussion of the tithe is, do I tithe off the gross or do I tithe off the net of my, my income? And a very important question, another very important question that I need to present uh, to you who happen to listen to this is how often was the tithe administered in the Bible? Because if we're going to tithe, then we have to understand how the Bible prescribed the tithe uh, to be offered. And another question that I need to ask is who was the tithe for and who was required to do it? Was it the children of Israel only? Was it the, the surrounding nations that were near them? And does, does the church have to tithe? Are we required to tithe? In today's uh, time, you know, the tithe was instituted a very long time ago. It was made actually law in the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, way back during the time of Moses. So it was a law uh, requirement for the nation of Israel in particular. So what I want to do is I want to read several scriptures in relation to the tithe and who it was for, why it was instituted in the first place, how often it was required to be given, and do we have to do it today? 
All right, so the first passage of scripture that I need to travel to is Leviticus chapter 27, which is the last chapter in that book, which is the third book of the Bible. All right, so Leviticus chapter 27, and we want to look at verse number 30, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible, all right? It says, And all the tithe, or tenth part of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, it's set apart, it's sanctified. If a man wishes to redeem any part of his tithe, he shall add one-fifth to it, or an additional 20%. For every tithe of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the shepherd's staff, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. The man is not to be concerned whether the animal is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. But if he does exchange it, then both it and its substitute shall become holy. It shall not be redeemed. Okay, verse 34, last verse of the chapter says, These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai for the children of Israel. So, here in Leviticus, starting with verse 30 of chapter 27, God instituted the law of the tithe. In other words, every tenth part of the land belonged to the Lord, whether it's the fruit of the trees, whether it was herbs, whether it was animals, all of it, a tenth of it belonged to God. So that was their law. Now, once again, the question that I have to ask is how often was the tithe required of the children of Israel? Now, in today's economy here in the church, a person will give 10% of their income, I guess, every week or every other week, depending upon when they get paid. And some people believe that is what the biblical mandate was I'm going to confidently say that no that is that was not the biblical mandate the tithe actually was an annual event it was not a weekly event it was not a bi-weekly event or a monthly event it was an annual event and I can prove that from the Bible so what I'm going to do now is go over to De uh, not Deuteronomy, excuse me, or is it Deuteronomy? I believe it's Deuteronomy. And the chapter that I want to look at is, hold on. Let's take a look at Numbers, actually. The book of Numbers, chapter 28 instead. We're going to go to Deuteronomy. I want to look at Numbers first, though. Numbers chapter 28. All right. It says this. Actually, I stand corrected. I'm not going to go to Numbers yet. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 14, I'm going to start with verse 22. Listen, listen to this. 
every year you shall certainly tithe all of the yield of your seed which is produced by your field you shall eat the tithe of your grain your new wine your oil and the, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock before the Lord your God in a place where he chooses to establish his name so that you may learn to fear and worship the Lord your God with all filled reverence and profound respect always. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is a great distance from you, you are not able to carry your tithe because the Lord your God has blessed you with such an abundance, then you shall exchange your tithe for money and take the money in your hand and go to the place of worship which the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for anything your heart desires for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or anything else you want to you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household I'll stop right there so I read Deuteronomy chapter 14 verses 22 to 26 but notice at the beginning of verse 22 it says every year you shall certainly tithe of all your the yield of your seed which is produced by your field every year Okay, so it was an annual event. The tithe was, in essence, a taxation on the people to pay to God. And the tithe went to the Levitical priests who did not till the land because the Bible says clearly that the Levites was the Lord's, uh, the Lord was the inheritance of the Levites. In other words, the Levites, their job and their obligation was to work on the service of the temple. They were God's representatives in the earth. They were here to serve the people, but they represented God in the earth. All right. So the people in turn had to yield a tenth of their produce, their benefits, their blessings to the Levites. Because like I said, the Levites didn't own any land. The Lord was their inheritance. And so that was why primarily the tithe was instituted. It was a tax to the theocratic government of Israel. Like they say, we live in a democracy, which is actually inaccurate, but I won't get into that. They lived in a theocracy, meaning that they were ruled and governed by God. All right. So that was the reason for the tithe it was to supply the needs of the levitical priests who also had to pay a tithe off of the tithes that they received from the people so they were they gave what was called a heave offering so they paid a tithe of the tithe they received from the people if that makes sense in other words the people tithe to the lord by giving it to the levites and then the levites took that tithe that they received from the people and then they gave a tithe to God as well or what's called a heave offering all right so that clearly lets us know that the tithe was not something that was done annually I mean that, that was not done weekly or bi-weekly or monthly it was done on an annual basis all right and once again I want to stress stress the importance that the tithe was law it was mosaic law and if if the church if the leaders of the church are going to require that people tithe 
today. Now, many don't require it, but they strongly imply it. And if you're going to imply it or say that if a person doesn't tithe, they're robbing God, then we're subject to the entire law of Moses. You follow what I'm saying? That means we have to go around killing animals and sacrificing those animals to the Lord and shedding their blood. How well will that go over? Probably not too well, especially not with these animal activists. So, uh, so just keep that in mind. We are not <laughs> required to tithe. We are required and commanded by God to give, but there's, there's supposed to be liberality and joy in our giving and a prescribed amount is not required of us to give. So before I go further into that, what I want to do is also look at some other passages of scripture because once again, the tithe was law, but if ministers and other people are going to require that the tithe is incumbent upon the church, then we're not doing everything that the law requires. If we're just singling out the tithe and we're, and we're neglecting the other parts of the law, then as the book of James says, we're guilty of all of it. In other words, if we do the law, but we offend in one point, we are guilty of the entire law. So now what I want to do is go over to Numbers chapter 28 and 29. Let's go to Numbers chapter 28 and 29. And there we discover that not only was a tithe required year by year, but they also had offerings that they had to give every single day, every single day. They had to give offerings. All right. So Numbers chapter 28, I'm going to start with verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command all the Israelites and say to them, you shall be careful to present at its appointed time my offering, my food for my offerings by fire as a sweet and soothing aroma to me. You shall say to the people, this is the offering by fire, which you shall present to the Lord. Listen, every day, two male lambs, one year old without blemish as a continual burnt offering. You shall offer one lamb in the morning and you shall offer the other lamb at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of finely milled flour as a grain offering mixed with a fourth of a hen of pressed oil. Verse six, it is a continual burnt offering which was ordained on Mount Sinai as a sweet and soothing aroma and offering by fire to the Lord. Its drink offering shall be a fourth of a hen for each lamb in the holy place. You shall pour out a strong drink offering to the Lord. Verse 8, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight as the grain offering of the morning, and as his drink offering you shall offer it, an offering by fire, a sweet and soothing aroma to the Lord. I'm going to read further. Then on the Sabbath day, two male lambs, one year old without a blemish, and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour with oil as a grain offering, and his drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its drink offering. All right. Verse 11, Numbers chapter 28. Then at the beginning of each of your months, you shall present and burn offering to the Lord two bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old without blemish, and three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each bull, and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering 
for the ram. I'm going to stop right there. All right, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to travel to the next chapter. I'm going to go to chapter 29 of Numbers. All right. Here we go. On the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. It will be for you a day of blowing of trumpets. This is also called Rosh Hashanah. This is the beginning of the Jewish uh, civil year. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet and soothing aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old without blemish. Also their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for the bull, two tenths for the ram, and one tenth of an ephah for each of the seven lambs. And one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. All right. So let me go a little further in the chapter, and we're going to go to the um, to another feast. It's called the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Ingatherings. The Hebrew for that that festival is called Sukkoth, and it says that on the second day of the Feast of Booze, well, we can go to the first day actually. Let's see. Then on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. You shall observe a feast of booze to the Lord for seven days. Listen to the amount of the offering that was required. That's why I'm reading this. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering by fire as sweet and soothing aroma to the Lord. Thirteen bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old, which are without blemish, and their grain offerings, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah, for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths of for each of the two rams, a tenth of an ephah for each of the fourteen lambs. Also, one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the continual burnt offerings, his drink offerings, and his drink, his grain offerings, and his drink offerings. Here's the point that I'm that I'm making. If you are a person that's going to require the tithe of the church, then you have to require all these other offerings as well for these different feasts that the Hebrews celebrated every month I hope you're getting the point that I'm driving at you can't require the tithe of the church unless you're going to require <laughs> these other offerings and notice something notice something very carefully here notice that the tithe that they were required to give was never money it was not coinage you, you don't hear anything about silver or gold in anything that I read to you whether it's Deuteronomy chapter 14 whether it's Malachi chapter 3 or whether it's um, Numbers chapter 28 and 29 you follow what I'm saying they lived in an agrarian society and they gave of the produce the stuff that they yielded from the ground and from the animals that they that they herded that you know that that they raised and that they um they grew and all that kind of stuff so the tithe was not money it was not coinage it was not silver it was not gold you follow what i'm saying so in today's economy we're in a totally different economy a totally different uh, culture and so we have liberality in our giving we are giving we don't we're not required or 
subject to a 10% prescribed amount. We can do more than 10 if we desire to. We can do less than 10. The the attitude in which we give is very important. And realizing that God has given us everything. And so as a way of love and obedience and worship, we give back a portion of that which he has given to us. But to me, it is tragic and it is it shows poor uh, hermeneutics and interpretation or lack of interpretation of the scripture to require a 10% uh, giving amount. As a matter of fact, I've heard outrageous stories from ministers who said that those that, those that don't tithe are going to hell or those that don't tithe should be shot. Uh, one person ha- had the audacity to imply that when I was out of work at one time, it was because I didn't give 10% of my increase to the Lord, which doesn't hold any weight either. There's there's no, that's, that's not sound theology because there are plenty of people that prosper and do well and won't give a dime to the church. They don't care about God and they don't care about God's people and they don't care about God's work. And they think that giving to the church is a ripoff. So, what I mean, what does one have to say about that? So it's not about the tie. That's about the attitude in which a person gives. And I believe is also in the frequency in which they give. I mean, the Bible does clearly say in the New Testament, he that gives sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that gives bountifully shall reap bountifully. And it says, as every person has purpose in, his, purpose in their heart, so let them give not grudgingly, or out of necessity for God loves a cheerful or a hilarious giver. Follow what I'm saying? So that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. All right. So that's part of what I wanted to talk about in regards uh, to uh, the tithe. Uh, let me look at, there's another verse of scripture, a couple of verses of scripture in the New Testament I want to look at. And these both involved Jesus in regards to the um, the religious leaders. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to look at verse 23 as a matter of fact. This this is the chapter where Jesus is really lowering the boom on the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He he continually in there calls them hypocrites because he's he's sick of them and he's letting them know <laughs> how he feels. This is what he says. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Listen to this. For you give a tenth of your mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier, more important provisions of, listen to this, the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the primary things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You spiritually blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So he rebukes them, not because they tithe, he rebukes them for their hypocrisy in their tithing. They were hypocritical in their tithing because he says, you tithe the smallest of herbs. I mean, you tithe your mint and your dill and your cumin, but he says you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. What law is he talking about? He's talking about the law of Moses. He says, you have neglected to show justice, to exhibit mercy, and 
and faithfulness. Those things he said you ought to have done. I mean, you did one part, but the more important part, you neglected that. You're, you're a hypocrite. And so there are plenty of people that will tithe according to what they believe the tithe is, but they're hypocritical in their lifestyle. They're not doing the more important things that they should be doing. And so they fall into the same category as these, these moralist people, these Pharisees and scribes that Jesus rebuked. Let's look at another one. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 18, all right? And this is Jesus giving a parable about two men that went up to the temple to pray. Two men that went up to the temple to pray. Luke chapter 18, let's start with verse 10. It says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. They're polar opposites and, you know, in that... Uh, in that type, in, in that day and time, in that uh, contemporary society, they were polar opposites. The Pharisee stood and began praying to himself in a self-righteous way, saying, "God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get." Verse 13, but the tax collector standing at a distance would not even raise his eyes toward heaven, but was striking his chest, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, the sinner that I am. I tell you, Jesus speaking right here, this man went to his house justified, forgiven of the guilt of sin and placed in right standing with God rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so there you have it. So once again, Jesus is given a distinction between the tither, who was a hypocrite, a hypocritical Pharisee, and the tax collector, who was considered in that day and time the scum of the earth. And the reason why a tax collector was so despised is, we, is because they were... They were working for for the Roman government, and and what tax collectors did is they would extort money from their own people. So they were considered traitors. I mean, number one, the Jewish people hated the Romans because of their oppression, and then on top of that, the Romans were smart. They didn't hire uh, other Romans to collect taxes. They hired Jews to collect taxes. And as you remember, Matthew, one of the one of Jesus' disciples was a tax collector. So you can imagine him being with the other disciples, how they felt about him. They probably hated him in the beginning. So tax collectors became rich through extortion. So the Pharisee, you know, he's a he's a he's an intelligent man. He's he's a he's a teacher of the law. He's part of their intelligentsia he's part of he, he's a he's an aristocrat you know he's part of those that you know the people that go to for counsel and for for insight and so he's well respected in the community the tax collector is despised in the community he's hated but because he was humble when he went to the temple to pray versus the pharisee who was not humble jesus said of the tax collector this man went home justified 
rather than the other because he who exalts himself will be humbled but those who humble himself will be exalted and remember also I mean you go to the next chapter I wasn't going to go here but I'll go here now the man that Jesus spoke to in the next chapter of Luke 19 was a tax collector matter of fact he was a chief tax collector his name was Zacchaeus so he was very rich matter of fact he had tax collectors working for him alright so this is what happens when Jesus sees Zacchaeus he says Zacchaeus hurry up and come down for today I must stay at your house I'm in Luke chapter 19 I'm, and now I'm at verse 6 so Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed Jesus with joy when the people saw it they began muttering in discontent he has gone to be to the guest of a man who is a notorious sinner Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord see Lord I am now giving half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anyone out of anything I will give back four times as much Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this household because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost and like I said once again he was a chief tax collector the point that I'm making is that just because a person tithes but doesn't mean that they're justified in the sight of God they may have a jacked up lifestyle they may be a hypocrite so once again hopefully I'm trying to drive the point home to those you're listening that the tithe is not a New Testament concept or because it was part of the Mosaic law and if one is going to subject a person to the tithe then they have to be subject to the other all the other ordinances of the Mosaic law which of course none of us can keep and since we didn't grow up Jewish we have no way of understanding even what they did so it is actually erroneous and utterly to me ridiculous to require a person to tithe because we cannot tithe according to the requirements that they tithe in other words we don't have sheep we don't have goats we we probably don't have uh, trees where we can uh, bear fruit we don't have all the resources that they had to give that prescribed amount to the Lord so be free in your giving give what you can give your best I would say give off the top when you get paid immediately give your amount to the Lord decide what you're going to give be thoughtful in the way you give be worshipful in the way that you give and, and be thankful that God has given you resources so you can give a portion back to him and give generously and God I believe will bless you in that effort but never give hypocritically never give to get never say because I'm giving a certain amount of money then God is required to give me a certain amount of money back no he is not we give because we've been commanded to give and we give because God is good to us all right God bless you for listening. We'll talk soon.